This podcast is brought to you by Business Radio, powered by Wharton. The Obama administration saw a vision of the future that included a wide range of foreign entrepreneurs here in the United States and helping to build and grow the economy. They put into place a program involving visas for foreigners who could or were helping to build strong businesses here in the United States. But the Trump administration put a freeze on all new regulations, which includes this particular program known as the International Entrepreneur's Rule. Microsoft CEO Satya Nadella recently made comments on the impact of this move in an interview with CNN. At some level, this is all about how do we create uh, uh, you know, American companies, American jobs, and be globally competitive. And in that context, what role can immigration play? As Shantanu was talking about, both of us are products of an enlightened immigration policy uh, of the United States. Uh, and that's given us plenty of opportunity to come here and contribute. Uh, and that needs to be taken into account as you solve a fairly complex issue of immigration. Um, and I do believe uh, it's a legislative solution that we need to sort of break new ground on. Uh, otherwise, it's going to really impact our competitiveness long term. We take a look at the potential impact of not having this program uh, or if it does move forward. To discuss that here in studio, joining me is David Shu, who's professor of management here at the Wharton School. And also joining us on the phone is Cyrus Meta, who is an immigration lawyer, and uh, he is with the firm of Meta and Partners in New York City. David, great to see you again. Thanks for coming in. Thank you. Cyrus, great to have you on the phone with us today. Thank you for having me. Thank you. I guess, David, we start with the program itself. Uh, and what the impact of this originally was going to be with President Obama and the administration bringing this forward. Obviously, we see a, a you know a, a great rise in the numbers of entrepreneurs uh, here in the United States. Some of them homegrown, some of them coming from other countries around the world. That's right. One statistic that I've been seeing a lot of uh, in the press is that <clears throat> approximately half of founders of the billion dollar club, that is these unicorn companies that are worth at least a billion dollars are foreign born. And so obviously that is selected from the extreme right tail of the value distribution. But uh, I think that that is one statistic to quote to illustrate how potentially important having immigrants as uh, growth entrepreneurs in this country is likely to be, and this particular rule uh, has allowed or was scheduled uh, as of next week to allow uh, these foreign-born entrepreneurs a probationary period in the United States. Right. Now that rule seems to uh, be suspended, it's delayed, and possibly terminated. Cyrus, in, in your mind, what is the impact of this if it does not go forward? And, and the estimates I saw... Uh, were it could have, with this plan in full implementation, uh, be impacting th- three to th- three to four thousand entrepreneurs over the course of a year. Correct? Yes, that that seems to be uh, correct. Uh, the r- rule would have uh, benefited um, uh, foreign entrepreneurs in in a big way because we don't really have a startup visa in our immigration act and what the obama administration tried to do was to uh, create a rule whereby uh, the executive would use its parole authority 
to bring in entrepreneurs who would benefit uh, the national or the public interests of the United States. So the basis for this rule was to parole in entrepreneurs. Traditionally, presidents have paroled in refugees or uh, witnesses in highly sensitive cases into the United States. And what the Obama administration creatively tried to do was to use its parole authority to bring in foreign entrepreneurs. It would have benefited foreign entrepreneurs because we don't actually have a startup visa under our Immigration Act. Uh, so therefore, it is a disappointment that the Trump administration has delayed this rule with the possibility of eliminating it. Uh, the interesting thing, I, I think, one of, of several interesting things uh, on this is, is that uh, we are seeing more and more countries around the globe uh, want to do basically this, to attract uh, entrepreneurs to come to be in their countries. Uh, it is seemingly a, a very important piece. Uh, one of the uh, sectors that is protesting this is uh, Silicon Valley, the tech sector. Uh, so to be able to lose this kind of knowledge and, and, and growth and, and development potentially could be a, a, a significant loss to a variety of different elements here in the United States, Cyrus. I, I cannot agree with you more, uh, because in my day-to-day -day practice as an immigration lawyer, I come across um, immigrants who really want to be entrepreneurs. Um, and, and they may not be sophisticated entrepreneurs. They may want to start small businesses, big businesses. But a, a lot of immigrants, even if they come in through the family-based immigration process, have dreams, and they want to start their own business and to make it big in the United States. So therefore, we need to provide as many avenues as possible for immigrants to thrive and flourish. This was one path, pathway for immigrants to do so. And uh, by, by not having uh, this rule and freezing it, we are being less competitive. Because as you said, other countries are um, attracting uh, foreign entrepreneurs or would-be entrepreneurs and therefore, uh, America is losing out. And I think America needs to realize that it's not the only game in town. There are other countries that want to compete, yeah. and, and we need to be up there. And, and we are not, unfortunately, by freezing this rule. Is it your expectation, Cyrus, that at this point, and obviously the, the, this is a freeze, at least for right now, is it your expectation that we will not see this rule implemented at all, or because it is a quote-unquote freeze, it, it may be something that is put on the shelf for right now, and we may see it in six months, nine months, 12 months' time. Under this administration, it is my expectation that this rule will be rescinded, and that is because this administration does not favor uh, the use of the parole authority in, in such a broad and creative uh, manner, because there was an executive order that... Uh, uh, Trump uh, issued earlier on when he became president that uh, he wanted to limit the use of the president's uh, parole authority on a case-by-case -case basis and not to grant it to broad uh, classes of uh, huh. foreign nationals. So I, my expectation is that this rule uh, will be rescinded. And I'm hoping that Congress can take up the gauntlet and actually uh, pass a startup visa act. But because immigration is so politicized, we either um, will probably get a whole package or nothing at all. Uh, but, but I think it's important to actually have a startup visa that Congress ultimately passes. David? Yeah, let me um, 
echo and um, kind of expand on a few of the themes that, that Cyrus is talking about. So we already know that countries like Canada, France, Argentina, and others have uh, provisions that really try to lower the bar- this type of barrier. And mm-hmm. they have uh, rules that are lower than uh, the international entrepreneur's rule that that we saw on the table in the United States. And so I couldn't agree more that there are options out there. Now, just to give you a, a broader picture, immigrants, according to the 2000 census, make up about 12% of the working population. But if you uh, take a look at uh, science and engineering parts of the workforce, STEM yeah. workers, immigrants make up 24% of bachelors and 47% of doctorates. And so they are punching mm. above their weight in the kind of talent pool for these uh, – for the workforce that we desire uh, in the United States, high-growth type of situations. And just to underscore the broader context here a, a bit, we, I think, in the United States are the leaders, not necessarily at the uh, primary or secondary school level – uh, if you look across the world and how we achieve academically. Right. But we are importers of talent at the college and graduate level. Yep. And the hope is that we have this educational infrastructure that's going to retain uh, talent from abroad and make them want to stay here. And I think this rule will chip away at that uh, possibility or that yeah. ecosystem um, and, and just to put this in, the, in context, at the Wharton School and at our peer institutions like Stanford and MIT, somewhere between 7 and 18 percent of our MBA graduates start startups right after graduation. But within three or four years after graduation, some 25 to 36 percent of the class will become entrepreneurs. Now, mm-hmm. because we have a large percentage of our class coming from abroad – and if this rule is no longer available to them, yeah. this is going to undermine our ability in the first place to attract this talent and retain that talent for these growth type of situations. Well, I, w- so, I was going to bring that up. And just the fact, I mean, you mentioned the Wharton School, but across the this campus, the University of Pennsylvania, you know, if, if you walk on Locust Walk, which is right outside our studio, at any given day, especially around noon with when the students are here on a full-time basis in the fall or the spring, the, the variety of different languages you hear spoken tells you how international this school is. And it's the same, you know, with hundreds of schools across the United States. That's a, that's a direct impact. That's right. And uh, I, I think that we – making our um, – country less hospitable or raising the barrier to this class of high growth entrepreneurs. Now, the requirements here under the international entrepreneurs rule is that you have have to have received $100,000 in government grants or $250,000 in in investment money. And that's for the first 30 months of your stay. Now, there's to get an additional 30 months of stay – you have to have certain milestones, raised half a million dollars of investment capital, uh, employ five full-time uh, employees, et cetera. Yep. And these rules are, you know, they're not insignificant. And so sure. the class of – we're not talking about uh, 
all the different types of, of entrepreneurs out there, which are equally valuable, but the, the high growth entrepreneurs here are likely to be impacted in the absence of this type of rule. Well, and, and Cyrus, obviously, you, when you do the, the math on this, you're talking about uh, potentially uh, people that fall into this category. If you meet all the, those criteria along the way, you're talking about a five-year period where a per person is really here and developing their business and, and seeing it grow. And I would guess by that point, the person has either decided whether or not they're going to keep this you know, keep this operation here, move it someplace else, or if they are keeping it here, probably looking to, to file for citizenship here in the United States. Yes, and that's where we, we are kind of totally dumbfounded as to why uh, the administration wanted to put this rule on freeze. As David said, it only applies to a small group of high-growth uh, entrepreneurs because some of the criteria are pretty uh, difficult uh, to meet, uh, the threshold of 250000 And then it only has a limited shelf life of uh, five years, three years initially, and then an extension. And as you said, uh, once the, if the business here has flourished, then the entrepreneur wants to remain here, and you can't just uh, become a U.S. citizen under our um, nationality laws so easily. There has to be a pathway to permanent residency. This rule does not provide a pathway to permanent residency. It had um, an inherent flaw, um, and, and that was the best that uh, the Obama administration could do. However, once an entrepreneur was successful and established himself or herself, then there may be other ways in which to get a green card, such as by establishing that your business is contributing to the national interests of the United States. Right. Therefore, an entrepreneur who was successful under this uh, parole um, scheme could then ultimately parlay into a more uh, solid pathway to get the green card by establishing uh, a green card for the national interest. And, and so there were ways. Uh, for entrepreneurs to get incentivized to stay here, even though this rule only had a five-year or six-year shelf life. And therefore, it's really unfortunate. It's, it's difficult for people to come under this rule. Few entrepreneurs, but the impact would be um, astounding to the United States, assuming that any of these businesses would grow and become a Google or uh, uh, something equivalent to that. Um, and by the way, Google was founded by an immigrant. Uh, Tesla has been founded by an immigrant, and just just you know picking two from the hat. Uh, so um, so yes. Um, the rule had limitations. It had uh, high threshold criteria, and therefore there was no need to put it on uh, freeze. David? I, I think um, just to speculate as to possible downsides of this, of this rule and, mm -hmm. and where this administration is coming from, I can only uh, – two, two possible explanations come to mind, and I wanted to discuss them here. The first is a possible crowding out effect. That if we are giving more privileges to foreign-born entrepreneurs or immigrants, maybe that crowds out the opportunity set of natives. But I'm not so sure that this zero-sum mentality applies well to the startup entrepreneur setting okay. in that – you know, ideas are a dime a dozen, the execution of business ideas to real businesses that are uh, growth oriented is not a trivial thing. And financial capital, venture capitalists or other investors 
notoriously have much more financial capital uh, to put in than they can find talented entrepreneurs. So I'm not so sure it's a zero-sum game, particularly under the auspices of the rules that are set forth, the milestones, the incentives that are, are put in place. I'd be interested in a discussion of how else we should be thinking about to what extent this is crowding out. A second possible downside to the international entrepreneurs role, perhaps, is that maybe we're giving the, the wrong incentives. We, we've put these milestones in place, and um, there could be entrepreneurs out there, immigrants who are trying to game the system in that, sure. yeah. uh, you know, I'm going to try to cook the books a little bit. I'm going to play a little bit of a shell game so yep. that I can stay in the, in the country. Yep. I, I think that there's certainly cost to governance and uh, applying these rules, but assuming we can get that right in that we're getting bona fide entrepreneurs that meet the letter and the spirit of the rule, I, I'm hard-pressed to think about some of the downsides uh, that are associated uh, w- with this rule, particularly within the context a very competitive international landscape for talented entrepreneurs. And by the way, Canada and France have enacted much lower barriers uh, or rules for for immigrants to come in. And uh, and I won't go into the details of that, but I'll suffice it to say much, you know, a low, much lower burden. And yeah. so I'd be curious as to Cyrus's or, or viewers' thoughts as to what, is, what, what could be in the minds of of this administration in in rescinding this or putting on hold or on suspension this particular rule. Well, Cyrus, I'll I'll let you jump in here in one second. Let me just add one thing myself is, look, if you think of the history of the United States, the the history of this country was built on immigrants coming from other parts of the world. And, you know, it's one of the reasons why we had the, the, you know, the great growth we had you know, in the 1800s. Uh, so, I, I mean, that's kind of part of the history of this country, Cyrus. Totally agree. And uh, the entrepreneurs who came in in the 18 and 1900s didn't have $250,000 of the equivalent right. of that from venture capitalists in those days. <laughs> they might not have had $2.50. Exactly. So, so the key uh, to uh, America's success has been to uh, attract uh, immigrants who... Uh, want to work hard and uh, be successful. And that kind of ethos uh, should not be uh, thrown away. Unfortunately, that seems to be the case under this administration's, uh, and I'd like to be more blunt, this, the America First policy, um, yeah. whereby you want to give more incentives to Americans. But as David uh, correctly pointed out, that immigration is not a zero-sum game. Ultimately, immigrants contribute and they create jobs and opportunities for Americans, besides uh, contributing uh, in taxes and, uh, and, and in the consumer demand for real estate and and other uh, consumer goods. Well, so. and, the, and the thing I was going to mention, David, as well, to, to your point, uh, is, and playing off of what Cyrus just said, is the fact that if you are a startup and you have received a quarter of a million dollars of seed money to get that you know startup flowing, there's an expectation, not that it happens 100% of the time, but there's an expectation that you're going to make a success of this operation. Well, if you're making a success of that operation, not only do you have all of the elements that Josiris just said, but just the strict jobs factor. 
You know, the people that you are going to be adding to your workforce for your company, whatever it might be, that's a boost to the economic future of the United States. Absolutely. I think this notion of, of job creation and uh, tax policy, that, that's a compelling logic. And by the way, there is a very competitive labor force out there. If you are not able to attract uh, and retain the talent, you know, th th there's this high level of capitalism that yep. we operate under. And that is uh, one of the, the, the core values that we hold in this country. And this notion of the, the free markets and allowing entry of businesses and at the job, at the worker level, being able to go to the place of employment that values you the most, uh, given your skills, subtracting from that um, in, in this manner, I, I'm hard pressed to really understand it. And I suspect because this is a rule that's being, I, I guess, rolled out under the De Department of Homeland Security yeah. and under a broader rubric of, of immigration, this there it's probably if I had to guess part of a um, kind of a, a broader policy a regime shift this America first type of policy mm -hmm. extreme vetting etc trying to have some consistency under that but for the type of entrepreneurs and individuals that we're talking about for the kind of high growth potential it's uh, to me very difficult to understand aside from that more kind of uniformity of immigration policy and, and achieving consistency under that broader kind of, of rubric. Cyrus? Yeah, and I'd also uh, like to add uh, to what David said regarding um, not incentivizing gaming the system. As an immigration practitioner, let me assure you uh, that uh, it's very hard to win these kind of applications. Um, the immigration... Uh, service uh, looks at these applications very carefully, and um, they come back with very uh, pointed questions through requests for evidence. Right. And to then uh, overcome a request for evidence is actually uh, quite a challenge uh, for both uh, the immigration attorney and the client in, in other contexts. And I would assume that uh, uh, the immigration service would use the same scrutiny when adjudicating uh, entrepreneur applications under this rule. So even though there may be fraud, as in any uh, government scheme, uh, clearly uh, in the past with other types of visa applications, I can assure you that the Immigration Service exercises a lot of scrutiny before uh, approving a case. This is Knowledge at Wharton. You're listening to Sirius XM 111 Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School, coming to you from Philadelphia. We're talking about the uh, international entrepreneur's role, which at least for now has been frozen as part of a freeze of regulations by the White House. We're joined here in studio by David Shu, professor of management here at the Wharton School. And on the phone, uh, Cyrus Mehta, who is an immigration lawyer based in New York City. 844-942-7866 is the number to join in if you'd like to make a comment or on uh, Twitter at BizRadio111, B-I-Z Radio 111, or my Twitter account, which is at DanLoney21. Cyrus, this may be a tough question to answer, but I, I will throw it out anyway. With the expectation of what this program would have been, 
can can we start to kind of gauge what the economic could be that would be lost if this uh, if this program is uh, is thrown away at this point? Even even if this program applied to a small group of entrepreneurs, I don't think it would have attracted every. Um, student graduating from an MBA program, because not everybody can get that uh, $250,000. And uh, a lot of students have dreams and they have ideas, and they need much less um, to, to create a startup uh, in many cases. And, and one prime example is uh, Facebook uh, being conjured up in, in, in a Harvard dorm. Uh, you, you, you don't always need 250000 so it would only apply to a small group of uh, entrepreneurs. But just imagine the upside. Uh, if, if even one of these companies was successful and, and became uh, something like a Google, that would clearly benefit the United States and could create paradigm shifts with regards to uh, how we view the world and how we create jobs and the like. Uh, uh, so, so having said that, um, uh, even though it applied to a small group of people, uh, the upsides uh, would have been quite big uh, if if an entrepreneur succeeded. David? Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And you think about it this way. You only need a very small number of big hits to really activate an ecosystem. And yeah. it could be game-changing. We could go to the early days of, say, Silicon Valley. You know, it's one Hewlett-Packard that really touches off a firestorm Google's been mentioned, not only is it the direct benefit of employment and visibility, but if you actually took a look at the next generation of angel investors in Silicon Valley, you can really trace it back to the uh, the people who made money through the Google IPO. That yeah. seeds the next generation of talent out there, both in the financial capital as well as in the mentoring. And I think that we would be... We're talking, and by the way, countries around the world are trying to activate their own ecosystems. And it just takes one of these. And it's hard to predict the process that will lead to that. But I think many practitioners and academics alike would point to uh, not only immigrant entrepreneurs, but the whole set of institutions that we have in place in the United States, including academic institutions, yeah. et cetera. And so you, you remove one ingredient from an ecosystem, it's hard to predict through the complexity what could uh, uh, affect uh, how, how the knock-on effects on that. And what's also important here, I th- or interesting at least, is that immigrant entrepreneurs, they tend to operate in networks. And so if you actually go inside... Um, Silicon Valley or other uh, startup ecosystems around, you will find many organizations, like for in the Indian community, uh, an organization called Tide, the Indian, the Indus Entrepreneur. Yeah, you, uh, that is an important ingredient in this e- ecosystem because that not only is there financial capital, mentoring, there's some, you know, making lowering the barrier or the the difficulty of starting a startup and which is probably more likely to lead to success. You remove right. that uh, ingredient even on, on you know, three or 4,000 a year, it's hard to know how that dynamic plays out in the long run. And so for something that is more symbolic in terms of if, if the premise is that this is to achieve consistency, affecting these high potential entrepreneurs 
that could affect maybe three or four thousand a year in my view is is too risky yeah. to try to tinker in that in that in that ecosystem great to have you both with us thank you david great seeing you again thank, thank you for you. coming in cyrus great to have you on the phone with us thank you for your time for more insight from business radio please visit businessradio.wharton.upenn.edu Thank you.